Hey, and welcome to the Did You Know Crypto podcast. Today, I'm very excited to be welcoming Kurt Worker Jr. of the Crypto Traders Pro team. Kurt and I have known each other for roughly about a year now, but I was very excited to have him come on board to kind of talk about trading. Trading is such an integral part to the ecosystem here and this brand new asset class. I don't think and neither does Kurt think that this is the most important part of the space, but it's definitely part of the space and it's a way that a lot of people make money. But it's also a way that a lot of people lose money. So what we're going to be talking about is how to get yourself in the mindset and bring yourself the tools that you need to be successful if you decide that you want to trade crypto or any other asset. This shouldn't need to be said, but anything that is said in this episode is not financial advice, not telling you what to buy. We're not telling you anything like that. All that we are telling you is some information, where to find it so that you can make the best decision for you. This is all for educational purposes only. So enjoy the show. Jr. of Crypto Traders Pro, a crypto savage and Bitcoin evangelist since 2013. Kurt, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Dustin. Yeah, I wanted to discuss Crypto Traders Pro and everything like that, but uh, as well as the art of market analysis. But before we delve into that, you know, I'd like to, I know it's kind of cliche, but I really enjoy hearing people's journeys and how, uh, how they got into this. So how did Bitcoin find you? Um, well, 2012, I, I was actually in, in college in 20, it was 2005, six, seven, eight. Uh, I was in college. I, I got super into, uh, just politics, libertarian stuff. And so I, I don't remember exactly when, but sometime in 2012, like as I was out of college, I had finally like decided that I was definitely a, a voluntarist, like a, a non-government type, um, I was doing anti-bank activism a little bit, uh, anti-central bank specifically, but um, somebody introduced me to the concept of, of Bitcoin. I don't remember who it was at this point, and I started doing research on it. I researched it for about nine months just on the internet, like it was the most important thing that had ever happened in the universe, and I, I did a bunch of research. And I remember specifically a couple of videos of uh, Andreas Antonopoulos and Roger Ver, um, a couple other faces that you'd you'd recognize but uh i i started buying bitcoin in 2013 uh I, I got the fomo hype in late 2013 as it started going up aggressively i got my ass handed to me in 2014 <laughs> when everything kind of crashed back but uh yeah so like i'm i'm not an early early adopter but uh earlier than most and and specifically for uh political reasons uh like libertarian stuff, hardcore in every regard. Yeah, that was about the same time that I got into it. I was I was mining Litecoin in, cool. in 2013, and yeah, I kind of uh, I, you know that was my first exposure to the uh, to the uh, you know the, the the hypes and falls of of this mm -hmm. market where you're going, oh wow, it's a thousand. You know, we could go up to, you know, who knows what we could go up to next. And then <laughs> next thing you know, it's like, oh wow, you know, the, all this all this Bitcoin I thought I had, you know, that's now down to like two hundred dollars. Right. But, uh, you know, it seems to be kind of the normal here. So that is a good segue into Crypto Traders Pro, because unlike the hodler mentality, well, I guess tr trading can can go into that as well. But uh, uh, trading is a little bit different than specifically hodler people who do just, you know, dollar cost average buying and just holding. Um, so what is Crypto Traders Pro? How did it come to be what it is today? So for us, w what we realized was that. <laughs> You know, coming into this next bull run, 2015, 2016 was about merchant adoption, that kind of stuff. And then it, we got into this scaling debate and then there was all kinds of stuff that, that precipitated uh, 2017 becoming huge. I, I think really the biggest thing was Ethereum uh, and the ICO. And looking at ICOs, I was instantly like, man, I, I think those are unregistered securities and I think they're going to get people in trouble. And so I, I just started joining Facebook groups and I, I had been in a couple, I've been in a couple crypto Facebook groups for years actually, but I joined the crypto traders group 
sometime in the middle of 2017 just to kind of see what was up. And I started having healthy conversations there. It was a, it was a group of people that, that really wanted to hash out what mattered and why it mattered, how to make profit, how to not get screwed. And I was just there answering questions. And the guy who founded the group, uh, who today is now my business partner, uh, reached out and was like, hey, man, you obviously know what you're talking about. I'm looking for moderators. And we just started talking. And within about, man, two months, we were just like, you know, we, we could we could teach people how to trade. And, and he's a he's a longtime equities trader. He's got stock experience for about as long as I've been in Bitcoin. So since 2012, he's been a stock trader and he's done really well for himself doing that. He discovered uh, Bitcoin in 2016 and started trading that. And so we just kind of connected and, and said like, man, if, if we can just teach people how to not get screwed, how to earn money, how to manage their portfolios well, uh, and how to, how to, how to sell, I, I think that's actually the hardest part for anybody in the crypto space is to, to read a chart well enough to realize that the short-term gain is, is over and it's time to lock in profit. And so we put together Crypto Traders Pro and it's been a little over a year now and we've done quite well helping people uh, survive the bear market, which has really been the biggest test of whether or not we know what we we're talking about. And uh, we, we've done quite well. The people in the group have done considerably better than than just total market performance this year. And so within trading, there's two schools and, and they're not necessarily mutually exclusive either, but technical and fundamental analysis. What are the differences between the two? Um, and which, if, if any of them, do you find to be more useful? I think it depends on your perspective and your time preference. If if we're going long term, like if if you don't need the money that you're going to put in it for ten years, then there's no reason to do any technical analysis at all. Look at the chart. Uh, you need to be looking at decentralization, security, utility, scalability. That's all fundamental stuff. For me, it's it's all use case, and and that's that's actually what I do at the company now. Is I analyze projects based on who's developing them, who's mining them, that kind of thing. Um, so that's that's kind of the long-term thing. It, it can also be something like being aware of upcoming news, that kind of stuff. It's a, a little more vague fundamental analysis. It's more research, but uh, kind of falls under that umbrella. Whereas technical analysis is more specifically for the trader. That's somebody that's there to to either grow their holdings in the in the short term or extract fiat profits in the short term. So for me, like looking at the chart today, we're in the 4,000 somewhere on, on Bitcoin. Uh, and we, we need to just look at like, okay, is it is it at a support zone or a, or a resistance zone or is it in no man's land? How do I, how do I make a purchase based on the chart? And I'm, I'm a decent technical analyst. I, I like, I know how to trade, but, uh, I don't think it's as fun. I, I like the fundamentals. I like what makes crypto tick. So, um, for me, that's the that's the cool part. That's like being Indiana Jones and getting yourself in all kinds of trouble. But uh, technical analysis definitely matters, especially short term. Especially like if you want to be uh, a career person in crypto, like you need to understand technical analysis because the volatility will kill you if you're not paying attention to it. No, I think uh, a lot of people experience that over the. Uh over the, over the last year is that, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, there's so many, it, it, it was amazing to see the growth in 2017 and, and, and early, I guess, 2018 as well. And there's still a lot of people just coming in, um, to the space as well, but it was from 2013. I remember when I first started, like bare, you never heard anybody talk about it really all that much. There was a few news stories about it, mostly about, you know, this is for people to buy nuclear weapons on the black market. <laughs> <laughs> and and then when it actually you know was running up to a thousand, that's when you actually saw a little bit of actual mainstream news coverage, mm -hmm. and that's when you kind of started to see more people get into it. But then the majority of them jumped ship, you know, by by early mid two thousand fourteen, um, and you know we kind of saw that same thing happen in twenty seventeen, and. You know, there were a lot of folks jumping into the trading scene in 2017 that thought they were yeah. pretty good at this. And then they lost their butts when they found out they were just kind of riding a wave of all time highs and jubilant markets. Mm -hmm. And I kind of have to admit, I kind of did that myself. I thought, you know, I, I realized I wasn't as good of a trader as I thought I was when the bear market <laughs> hit because I was going like, OK, I started to realize that, you know, a good chunk of that success was 
that was really hard. You had to really actively try to lose money in 2017. I mean, it'd be pretty hard to, to have, you know, in the, in the macro lose money. Um, so that is a cautionary tale for a lot of folks. Um, you know, that you shouldn't just watch a couple of YouTube videos and think that you can time the markets. And I know you really don't disagree, but what's your overall take on the 27, 28 teen markets? Um, and what should a person who's, you know, brand new, let's say they, they kind of heard about Bitcoin. They heard a lot, bunch of people were making money last year, but now it's gone down and now they go like, you know what? I kind of want to try this trading out. What should they be doing right now? I think, I mean, trading, if you don't have any experience, I, I mean, I don't want to turn this into a commercial, but we specifically have packages that are, you know, you can watch our 20 hour video training course and, and it explains how to basically just do basic uh, portfolio management, how to, how to buy low and sell high, which I know sounds very simple until you actually look at the chart and <laughs> then you have no idea if, if we're low or high currently. And, and really like there's, there's not any amount of research that is too much research because we're still so early that spending three months just doing research and learning how to handle your portfolio like a professional is, is so crucial because that, that three month zone of, of, of becoming, you know, dangerously intelligent and knowledgeable, um, pales in comparison to how much upside there is actually in crypto. And we're talking about an asset that can make everything in the financial universe more simple more decentralized, more secure, easier to use. And, and essentially nobody's using it yet. I, I, I like statistically it doesn't exist. It, and I mean, people know what Bitcoin is or, or maybe they know what ripple is or something like that, but, but the usage is almost zero. So I, I know everybody feels like they're going to miss the boat, but buying with the, the view of, you know, 10 years down the road is, is so much, let me rephrase. There's, there's so much upside there that, that, that three months of study won't matter at all. You're going to miss essentially zero upside, even if the markets go up 30, 40, 50% while you're doing that research. But that research on how to manage your portfolio well is so crucial uh, that, that I recommend that specifically, like do not, get yourself into a position where you feel like you have to buy. And if you must, if you have that itchy buy finger on your Coinbase account, then then please, dollar cost average, if you want to spend $1,000 a month on crypto, break it at least into four and, and make it every Friday and, and spend $250 a week. And uh, most importantly, spend your beer money, but don't spend your rent money. No, I, I can't. I couldn't agree more. Is that that uh, it's, it's so important to learn, no matter what space you're going into, that mm -hmm. and especially trading, that three months you're going to spend thinking that you're going to miss the boat. If you just jump right in, it would be better for you to have a hundred percent of what you were going to invest in, sitting on the side waiting, you know, as you're learning, than mm -hmm. to lose ninety percent of it in that three months as you're right. trading while you're learning. Yeah. Well, and this year has been a perfect example. I, I'm the absolute best thing you could have done in 2018 is not invest. So if you're not going to actively trade, the the best place to be is is fiat currency, unfortunately, and and that's even across all all the traditional markets as well. The Dow Jones has has wiped out a year's worth of profits now. Uh, tech stocks are 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 the worst part of uh, the, the mainstream stock economy as well. So. I, understanding that like that that the best thing that you could do is put 10 grand into bitcoin and send it to bitfinex and short bitcoin all year like that is not the kind of thing that is obvious to a new person but it's it was the right thing to have done in 2018 and people people need to understand why and then they need to understand how they can look at that information retroactively and then apply it proactively in the future because i mean we we may not be at the end of this bloodbath either. So giving anybody the advice like, ah, just, just start buying now, like, you know, long-term, yes, that's probably good advice. But uh, in the short term, it's, it's good to use the, the tools that are available to accumulate more crypto, if, especially if you believe in it long-term. Yeah. It always, it always does kind of feel like a cop-out when people ask and go like, well, you know, just be just, you know, if you're going to buy, then don't even look at it for 10 years. 
mm-hmm. because in that, you know, when I, when I do tell people that, um, especially if you go like, are you going to learn how to trade? And they go like, no. And it's like, well then don't, don't <laughs> download Blockfolio. Don't download, right. don't look at the, the, at the charts. And if that's something that you really want to do, but yeah, beer money is probably the best thing unless you're going to mm-hmm. make this. So with this space, and I think it's gotten a little bit better, uh, because with a bear market and downturns, these are, you know, and a lot of people just leaving, or should say there's there's not an influx, so the incentive isn't in, isn't there as much. But you know, we saw a lot of pump and dump groups, scams, those types of things. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, go on my Telegram channel. You know, we'll give you the best things. So, how do you how do you tell what's a quality? You know, where should you know? Obviously, you, you guys are gonna um, you know, Crypto Traders Pro is a great resource for that but as far as if it, people you know want to go like, well you know i'd like to join this group or that group what should they be looking in other groups um as far as for what's a quality group versus what's what's not going to be that great of a group i think look for a group that's led at least in part by somebody who comes across as a black cloud <laughs> and i i get criticized quite a bit uh for being a a shill or a fudder or whatever for for criticizing Bitcoin or criticizing Ethereum. And I'm, I'm bearish on a lot of projects that people love and people think it's cause I'm, you know, bought off by some competitor or something, but it's, it's just the product of good fundamental analysis. I believe in cryptocurrency. I believe that, that a distributed consensus mechanism, the blockchain and hash power proof of work, all of that stuff is the most important invention of probably the last 25 years. But it doesn't mean that the projects that people think are great are going to do anything. And and understanding what's great versus what's total garbage requires a ridiculous amount of, of research. And that's the kind of thing that I do. And it turns me into someone who's negative when I see how poorly implemented so many of these projects are. So if somebody shows up in a group, let's say you join a Telegram group or you're in somebody's Discord group, and all of the moderators or all of the admin types are all just, they're all super excited about some project you've never heard of. Well, if it's some project that's out of the top 50 and they're super excited and they're telling everybody to buy or, or, or not even necessarily telling everyone to buy, but if they're too excited and, and if they're talking about how this, this coin is going to change the world, I, I think the most dangerous phrase is the next Bitcoin. So I, for me, anybody that says the next Bitcoin uh, should probably be just eliminated from your 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 friendship circle. The Ethereum killer? <laughs> or Ethereum killer. That's yeah. another one. That, that It's another one of those buzzwords. It's like, man, I am being sold a like $3,000 vacuum cleaner right now. <laughs> and and I, I think that's what really makes... Um, that's what stands out in every other, and I'm I'm actually I lurk in a lot of these groups, and that's that's everybody's mo, is like, hey man, you know this, I know it's it's not even in the top five hundred yet, but it's coming, it's it's the next whatever, and you know, and you, and you get brand new people who are like, oh man, this is gonna happen. They start buying it, and they get stuck holding the bags of some guy who who convinced a thousand people to pump a coin that has no liquidity. And he just put a, you know a couple extra Bitcoin in his in his bag, and that's the that that's that's what they do. And they seem like they're your friend, and they seem like they care, and they're super passionate. And so my advice is is definitely look for somebody who is in an admin role who is telling you to not buy something or anything. Like look for that black cloud because that's that's reality. Not every project is good, and in fact, most like heavily most projects are not good at this point in the game. So uh, moving into a, a different, you know, um, topic was, I, kn- I know that, that you're a big fan of, of Bitcoin cash specific, you mm-hmm. know, specifically. And now that's actually kind of a, a an ethereal on w- which one we're we talking about as well. Yeah. So you know, before we get into that portion of it, what is your philosophy be- behind this opinion? Like why Bitcoin cash versus, you know, Bitcoin BTC? And why do you think that bigger blocks are a better way to scale Bitcoin? So I, I got into Bitcoin in, in 2012. I, I, was, I was a fan for close to a year before I ever bought any Bitcoin. 
And the reason that I decided to buy is because I read the damn white paper probably a hundred times. And I, I looked it up. I, I searched out Bitcoin talk and, and the old forums and the old emails and like, all right, who is this damn Satoshi guy? Like, what is he talking about? Because I'm a gold bug. I, I was a Hayek, Mises, Rothbard guy, you know, sound money, gold, monetary sovereignty, all of that kind of stuff. Very dangerous. And, <laughs> extremely. And and this Satoshi guy is some, you know, some anonymous uh, pseudonym preaching the same kind of stuff, but talking about this digital asset. And at first I was like all out, like no way, like it's, it's digital fiat, uh, you know, maybe, maybe even like Mark of the beast kind of stuff, like, you know, the end of times. And, but then I kept reading it and I was like, no, like there's not like, there isn't that incentive built into this. Like if, if we follow the white paper, it is, it's, Everything that's great about gold mixed with everything that's great about cash, plus a couple of new things that that don't that, that have never existed before, and so for me it was almost a religious experience, and then and then I was all in like okay I'm gonna buy Bitcoin every week I'm 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 gonna make this happen I'm gonna live on it I'm gonna use it as cash I'm gonna spend it anywhere I can I'm gonna onboard merchants I'm gonna do all this stuff so this is. 2013 to 2015 Kurt. And then all of a sudden in 2015, you started to get fees rising. And when I say fees rising, I mean like BTC used to be free. It, there were there were no transaction fees. And, and I don't mean perceivably zero. I mean actually zero fee transactions. And a lot of new people don't understand that, that, that people that got involved before 2015-ish definitely experienced no fee transactions if you were running the kind of wallet where you could set your own fee. And I loved it and it was great. And for me, I would add a fee as a thank you to the miners because it was like, man, this, this awesome idea. But in 2015 and 2016, the fees started to go up. So I'm talking five cent, 10 cent fees occasionally, you know, and I'm like, man, that's kind of okay. You know, whatever network's getting busy. Like, how do, we, how do we get past this? Like, what's what's the way forward? Well, I started reading about the implementation called Bitcoin Unlimited. And Bitcoin Unlimited was, was super popular. I think it was 2015. And all of a sudden, all these people came out and were like, Bitcoin Unlimited's an altcoin. If you run Bitcoin Unlimited software, you're, you know, you're, you're going to centralize Bitcoin. It's going to be a corporate takeover. And I'm just like, man, what are you talking? Why would it be a corporate takeover? If the blocks are a little bit bigger so that transactions can be super cheap or optionally free, like why would that be a bad thing? And so for me, I was instantly a big blocker. I was a big blocker in 2015 and it just it kept getting more and more political to the point where like guys like Brian Armstrong, the CEO from Coinbase was getting like kicked out of the Reddit uh, Bitcoin community and like Vitalik was talking about like, hey guys, like why are you turning off op codes? Because I'd like to, you know, do smart contract stuff. This was back when Vitalik was a Bitcoin programmer and he had like the biggest Python library for any Bitcoin uh, repo. And and the core developers just kept saying like, no, 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 no. We're, we're getting rid of all these op codes. We're, we're going down this direction of, of fees being des- like desirable. And it was like, it, it was such a drastic change that it actually made me, I kind of stepped out of Bitcoin for a little bit, like 2015 through like mid 2016. I was like, man, this just got really, really political. And I, and I disagree with the, the, the larger portion of the group here. So I was vocal for a little bit, but then I realized like, you know, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a programmer. Maybe I don't understand what's going on, but Bitcoin Unlimited and Bitcoin XT, like they've got Gavin and Drayson and Peter Risen and Andy yep. Stone, all these guys, they're all good. So they, they don't need me. This is fine. Well, then 2017 came along and, and I, I got back into like checking on what was up. And when people started talking about the fork, like, you know, the New York agreement, we're going to do, you know, two megabyte blocks and all this stuff like, oh, cool. They're going to make this work. And then all of a sudden this Bitcoin cash discussion happened. Like, no, we're going to fork and make Bitcoin cash uh, because SegWit's coming and we don't want SegWit. So then I looked into what what SegWit is and was like, yeah, I don't like SegWit. And wow, they did actually turn off all these op codes. And so for me, it was like, 
all right, well, what's the Bitcoin Cash white paper? I'll, I'll read it. <laughs> well, the Bitcoin Cash white paper is the Bitcoin white paper, but the BTC roadmap changes the game theory of how nodes, miners, and users are, relate to each other, which in my opinion requires an amendment to the, to the white paper. You need to explain to people that change and they didn't do it, which struck me as, okay, you're hiding something. And so for me, it was it was very simple to join the Bitcoin Cash community. It was like that that's the coin that I used. And BTC has changed philosophically, technically, and economically in every regard. Like I don't recognize this coin and I disagree with the changes that they've made. So, you know, that's fine. I'll, I'll hang on to my BTC to trade because obviously it has the most liquidity, but I'm I'm not interested in that coin long term. So that's my three to five minute version of of why I became a Bitcoin casher. Yeah, no, no, that's a that's a great overview. I was always kind of I was really turned off at the time the way that Gavin got treated, uh, mm-hmm. especially when he was in a way the one that that basically got passed down. Um, if you want to, I, mean, I know yeah. you just talked to, to Vin about you know kind of uh, the the religion um, or the mm-hmm. theology of Bitcoin a little bit as well, but kind of almost in a way he was the uh, the one who was the, the the knowledge was passed down to in a way within the community, and sure. then he just basically got got thrown to the side and 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 treated like crap, and yeah. that always really bugged me. And it always was, I'm I'm still uh, I'm I'm the worst kind of of Bitcoiner in that uh, I I have not made up my mind yet. I have not been convinced yet by either side a hundred percent. I have some mm. e- extreme. Uh, I, I really have an understanding of on the Bitcoin cash side as far as for uh, making this a a you know a global money in electronic cash mm-hmm. and keeping fees low. I don't understand yet, and I've I've done a couple episodes with with I guess I mean pretty much now if you are a small block uh, second layer person, um, you're pretty much a maximalist. I don't, I don't know anybody that's really of that persuasion that is not a maximalist, but I've, I've done a couple episodes yeah. with them and I, I still don't really understand um, lightning and the um, aversion to increasing blocks in the short term, because even mm-hmm. a lot of them are saying, yeah, eventually one day, you know, when even all their fixes, <laughs> like light, not all of them, but uh, a good chunk of them do, like Pierre Rochard had said that, uh, Jameson yeah. Lapis said that, that, yeah, once we get lightning, the Schnorr signatures and all these other aggregators go into effect. Mm-hmm. One day, if we become actually like lightning becomes the global, you know, day-to-day money thing, right? You're going to have fees approaching, you know, hundreds of dollars or more um, to put it back on the settlement later, which is Bitcoin. And mm-hmm. then they're going to go, well, what, why don't we increase it? So I, I, what I don't understand is like, why didn't we just increase it then? What, why didn't they want to do that? And it just seems very kind of obfuscated a little bit in the reasoning for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I still have not been able to, because I'm not a programmer, I don't know the language of Bitcoin, right? I don't speak the language. I, I go through interpreters and mm-hmm. um, I, I don't know. I, I find it kind of um, a little bit, a little bit strange. Um, well, and that's the thing. I, I think the simplest answer is that it's nefarious, and and I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist. I hate conspiracy theories, but the easiest answer, the answer that actually makes the most sense, is that there's a profit motive behind small blocks because fundamentally, I don't see them as centralized, or I don't see big blocks as centralizing. Especially, you know, two megabyte blocks versus one megabyte blocks. I, I, I can understand arguments where, yes, gigabyte blocks would be unnecessary and problematic, right? But a two megabyte block uh, is a difference in about $30 a year worth of storage cost because the block propagation is no problem and everything else. But they celebrated killing the, the Segwit 2X fork. They, I mean, they celebrated it like it was... I, I'm a victory in a, in a great war or something. And it's absurd because like you said, guys like Jameson and Pierre and those guys are like, well, yeah, eventually <laughs> it's like, 
well, shoot, like what's the like what what was the reason behind having fifty dollar fees on on Bitcoin then? Like that's very it's very bizarre unless there was some social engineering aspect there uh, to to extract profit at some point. And I think a lot of it is and I, I don't mean grandiose conspiracy theory. I'm, I'm not one who thinks the Rothschilds, you know, have, uh, you know, their hand up someone's shirt and they're treating him like a puppet. I do, however, think that, you know, guys like Greg Maxwell and, and stuff, they, they've, they've got an ego. Like they're, they're world-class programmers working on probably the most important technology of a generation. And you, you create an opinion about it that makes you a thought leader. And then you stick to it because admitting you're wrong is really, really difficult to do. And for a guy like, uh, you know, just for your, your average high level Bitcoin programmer, you know, they, they, they staked a flag in a spot and, and they're willing to go to war for it because who does know? I, I mean, between me and you, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know, you know, deeply what the problems are with, with, big blocks, you know, but they, they talk about it like it would be the single most dangerous thing for Bitcoin ever, except for at some point in the future when it becomes the, the roadmap. And it's just, it's bizarre. So it, it, to me, it's, I think it's a little bit of ego and I think there's, there's some profit motive somewhere for these small blocks. So I, I do believe a little bit that, that these people have something they want to sell us under the premise that Bitcoin is too expensive to use on chain and therefore, you know, money needs to be transacted uh, to pay them for services to make it usable again. Well, I mean, when you say that, uh, it kind of brings to mind, I was just listening to an episode of what Bitcoin did with uh, Mm -hmm. Adam Back was on there and the CEO of Blockstream. And they were just talking about their new product, uh, Liquid, uh, Mm -hmm. Liquid Bitcoin. So it's, it's basically a side chain. Yeah. And and uh, I'm not 100% familiar with it, so I can't you know, speak on it. But I mean, in a way, it's almost uh, – the way that I understood it, and I really probably shouldn't be talking about it because I didn't do enough research after the interview. But <laughs> uh, it sounded almost like it was a, a – almost like an ICO sort of – not ICO, I should say. But Ethereum almost in a way where you can launch your own tokens if you want to on this side chain mm-hmm. and settle on Bitcoin and all that kind of stuff. And I was really perplexed through the interview. I was, it was, I was listening to, listening to it while I was driving. I wrote a few notes, but I haven't gone back. And, and like I said, so I may be speaking at school, mm-hmm. but I was, I was very confused because the, the whole thing I was hearing all these, that, you know, basically this last like 12 months um, since mm-hmm. the ICO bonanza of 2017 was, you know, it's just all, you know, it's all shit coins and security tokens are a dream. And that's just, you know, you know, fill in the blank. You've all heard that. Mm-hmm. And then now there's a product being created <laughs> to do just that. And there was a few questions going like, well, isn't this, you know, along those lines and like, well, yeah, but people can do whatever they want. You know, it's a free market to do that, which I didn't. Right. I get if you if you're critical of Ethereum as a platform in and of itself. But the the, the, the criticism wasn't people launching these things on Ethereum. It was or it wasn't Ethereum, you know, being the main platform. It was Ethereum and launching all these random tokens to represent whatever mm-hmm. physical object or unphysical object or or whatever. And I, I found it just really weird that now we're kind of it almost felt like we're we're kind of doing the, you know, not to tell you, like you said, not to go into crank conspiracy theories. But if it was very <laughs> much like uh, 1984 is like, well, no, we've always been for the token. You know, the token's always been our right. friend. And I, I, I just kind of, uh, I, I was kind of amazed by that. And I went, um, I, I know I need to do more research, but it, it was just one of those things. It's like, wait, what am I hearing? I thought that there was, you know, Bitcoin high fees are great. And once we get lightning network and it's basically those two things and then that's it. And then now it's like, well, no, we got a token platform. Hey, I hope that you are enjoying listening to this episode as much as we did recording it. I don't have any sponsorships, so I'd really appreciate it if you go over to iTunes, rate and review it five stars if you think I'm worthy of it, or wherever you're listening to the podcast right now. Um, if you could also go to our Twitter, our Facebook, our Instagram, you know, any of the social media pages that we have, like and share them. It really helps spread the word. So once again, thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. Right. 
Well, and that's and that's what I mean. Like, so a rational person looks at that and says, "Hmm, I like." At some point, the narrative changed, and nobody asked me for my opinion before it changed. <laughs> so, and and that's the that's the the interesting thing. I, I a comment on Adam Back actually. When I think of Adam Back, like I, I see someone who is first of all a, a brilliant programmer. Like he's a he is he's actually the inventor of proof of work. Um, he didn't apply it to anything that mattered, but uh, he, he applied it to a, a, a coin called, uh, and not, I, I don't even know if it's a coin actually, but it was hash cash was, was his invention. And Adam back is the only person that's named uh, by name in the Bitcoin white paper. So Satoshi Nakamoto uh, mentioned Adam back, but here's the thing is Adam is too smart for his own good. In my opinion, like he is so good at what he's good at that he almost can't be good at anything else. So when he, I think he looks at Bitcoin and thought Bitcoin was sort of a ripoff of his invention. And I think he boycotted it long enough to kind of miss that big run up that would have made him like a billionaire today. And so I think he looks at Bitcoin and he wants to reinvent it in his own image. So this is like, this is like old school, like Steve Jobs versus um, Bill Gates stuff, right? So the, the Steve Jobs and Bill Gates in 1985, they weren't sure if they liked each other or not until actually, let's say like 83. And then in 84, when, uh, when Bill Gates seemed to have basically ripped off windows from the Mac OS, then they were enemies and then they were enemies for a number of years. And then they were kind of frenemies and and then they ended up being people that worked together, but they, they've got this thing where they're like trying to reinvent each other. And I think Adam back is one of those guys who like kind of missed the early boat and now he's trying to reinvent things or he's trying to take that technology and kind of reclaim his foundership of it. And so like he comes up with these ideas. He's the I believe he's the CEO of Blockstream actually, but Yes, I believe so. And he comes up with something like Liquid which which really is just that. It's 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 just a multi-sig wallet. Like it's a complicated multi-sig wallet that launches tokens and a bunch of quote unquote, trusted parties have the keys. And it's like, well, how is that better than proof of work? Like we're, we're going back to a trusted system there. We're trusting the people that have the keys and we're getting away from blockchain. Like we're starting with the premise that blockchains don't work. And it's like, man, that is not what I got involved for. Like I got involved because the blockchain and proof of work, which Adam back literally invented <laughs> are th- are the most important thing here and now he's telling us well but but no let's reintroduce trust of a trusted federation of parties and and then we'll have tokenization which in my opinion are all illegal securities and you know and, and let's get away from bitcoin because bitcoin's broken and so all of that strikes me as like man Adam and his friends want to sell me something that makes him maybe not just wealthy, but also famous. Like I think he wants to be famous for something great because he's been involved, but not enough to actually be, you know, the, the kind of famous that he wants to be like people, people know the name Satoshi Nakamoto, but only, only crypto nerds know who Adam back is. And, and I think that bugs him a little bit. No, I could definitely see that. I mean, ego is is a major driving factor, and you see that in every any space. But mm. it's 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 uh, it's very prevalent here, and it's always so disconcerting too because I see people that I respect that have you know the you know kind of the same libertarian ethos, mm. but they're on totally different sides, <laughs> yeah. and have I, I mean not even really different sides. It's not like you know um, um, very stark sides of of a political or ideological debate, but. Yeah. But this very specific argument, man, it can um, it can really bring out some some anger. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, luckily we're we're just kind of a bunch of Twitter nerds, and and so we just like <laughs> mute or block each other. Yeah. Um. So it's it's a lot less it's a lot less vitriolic than than it would be in real life. But it's sure. um, um, to to go uh, back into kind of uh, Bitcoin Cash as well as that uh, as far as for. You know, it's it's the largest market cap, you know, by market cap project mm-hmm. that's kind of seeking to be the, I guess the the, the microtransaction daily use type of type of yeah. coin. But there's also other competitors 
in the space, you know, Dash, uh, Litecoin to an extent. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there's room in the macro, in the market for more than one money or is kind of money a winner take all sort of race? I think we kind of don't know. If you look at if you look at the long term and I'm talking like generational like we we don't actually have a lot of experience with money and we've only really had money the way that we understand it. Well actually we've only had fiat money the way we understand it for maybe 2 or 300 years now since like the 1700s. But prior to that we were used, you know, a commodity IOU system, uh gold for example or IOUs against gold and there's there's only so much philosophy or there's only so much like actual intrinsic data about money that we can use and say that this is definitively how money works because we've only really tested like two or three major concepts and cryptocurrency is so utterly different that I think it's really irresponsible to, to say that there absolutely will or absolutely will not be a certain thing. Um, so that being said, I, I think long term, for the security of the network, it actually makes the most sense to have a single currency because there has to be incentive to mine and it has to be mined in such a degree where its value merits it being secure so that some nefarious party can't just double spend it or reorg it to death or whatever. But um, but that could be generational too, which means in the short term, you know, we can have a coin like Dash be side by side with a coin like Litecoin for who knows, 100 years, 200 years before one actually legitimately completely dies. And that's, you know, it's a weird concept. And of course, it's also possible that they get destroyed in the, in the next three months. If some some hashing algorithm comes out that just, you know, wrecks them or if quantum computing destroys everything or shoot, we've got uh, Shark Pool now is, is advertising. They're just going to start. Uh, mining empty blocks and and yeah, that's selling, very interesting. Selling coins to death, just kill their liquidity and and everything else, and and that's it's interesting. I, I mean, frankly, they consent to it, right? Like Litecoin's white paper is crystal clear. Like we consent to the consensus of hash power, and so if somebody decides with hash power to just kill Litecoin, like that's, I mean. That's the governance model y'all basically shook hands <laughs> over because yep. a white paper is a contract in my opinion. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I like a lot of projects. I like what a lot of projects do. Um, I, like I, I am a fan of Dash because, you know, not even, you know, quality aside. And I know there are people that will say Dash is the best developed project in crypto and other people will say it's the biggest scam in, in the entire space. And reality is is that you know what there's a lot of really good ideas in that camp and there's people that yep. are really committed to developing them and that's good because whether dash becomes the number one market cap coin or becomes peer-to-peer cash for the world is irrelevant because they're teaching us what a, a governance model could look like and if it's successful good it can be replicated in 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 real life and do other things and if it fails well, then it was only Dash, <laughs> like D- Dash failed and that's okay. And and there's that that situation with a lot of coins that, you know, I, I really like Zcoin and I like Digibyte and, and there's really cool development going on there. And so, you know, this kind of, this, this idea of quote unquote winning, meaning, you know, replacing Bitcoin or replacing fiat, um, you know, that remains to be seen. I don't know that we'll actually get all the way there in our lifetime. Like my, my grandma still writes checks at the grocery store. So to, <laughs> yeah. to her, I mean, she, she doesn't even know what a debit card is. So that revolution hasn't made it to her yet. And that's okay. Yeah. That's, that's funny. Um, <laughs> you were, you, you were uh, just mentioning Litecoin and mm-hmm. um, I, I, I always have, a, I'll always have a soft spot for it because that was uh, the first coin because right when I that was like right when ASICs were starting to really kind of sure. take over Bitcoin. So Litecoin and when I first came in, it was the you know, it's the silver to Bitcoin, Bitcoin's gold. Mm-hmm. And so I put together, you know, two six GPU units and I spent like two months not running them because I couldn't figure out how to do it because I had no idea what <laughs> I was doing. Sitting on forums helping, you know, they were they would overheat. And sure. anyway, so that was the first thing. That, so I've got a soft spot for it. But I've 
I've, I've been trying to get a straight answer out of the Litecoin community. And I know this is kind of not necessarily your wheelhouse because you're, mm-hmm. you're not a Litecoin guy, quote unquote. But um, I, I know that you've looked at it and looked at their, you yeah. know, their, their model. I can't figure out because their thesis is basically lockstep with Bitcoin BTC. Mm-hmm. Everything that Bitcoin and the core team implements, it seems that Litecoin, Litecoin kind of adopts it as well. You know, the Lightning Network, right. all that kind of stuff. And now for for argument's sake, let's just say that their thesis is correct. We live in a world where store of value and Lightning Network will work and become popular mm-hmm. because that's where they're putting their money on. They're saying, yes, this this thesis is correct. So if their thesis actually plays out, where does that leave Litecoin? Because Bitcoin's going to be a better store of value. It's going to have uh, it's going to have a larger network effect. It's going to mm-hmm. be more secure than Litecoin and every metric as a as a settlement layer. And then the Lightning Network on on Litecoin and the Lightning Network on Bitcoin are basically going to be the same amount uh, that you're going to pay in fees. So why mm-hmm. would you not settle in the the more valuable Bitcoin versus on Litecoin? I just I haven't been able to figure it out other than like, oh, whenever I go to settle it, it's going to take a quarter of the time, which doesn't <laughs> seem to me to be a good selling point for it. Right. And that's that that's why I became bearish on Litecoin. I, I, I was an old Litecoiner, too. Um for exactly that reason, like 2013, it was like, uh, you know, Bitcoin's 300 bucks, but Litecoin's a dollar. <laughs> so that was like, well, cool, you know, and and that silver to gold, whatever. I, I bought some Litecoin. I did pretty well on Litecoin as a trade, uh, a long-term trade. But the interesting thing to me is that, that you're exactly right. If you marry yourself to somebody else's roadmap, and you're the weaker version of it. I I don't see how that works out for you at all. It, it's literally like being the you know the a toady to some dictator or something. It's like, man, like I mean, imagine being like the guy that that was like Joseph Stalin's number two. You know, it's like, well, man, if this ever comes crashing down, like he is definitely going to put a bullet in my head <laughs> before it goes into his right. And and I I think you're exactly right that if if Bitcoin is successful if it is ultimately store value and lightning network and all of that all works out there's no reason for litecoin and at the same time if bitcoin utterly fails like light lightning network doesn't work and it just never can quite scale and and the blocks are just screwed and and they've made it that they can't hard fork it's just too complicated well then light litecoin is screwed too because it's just slightly better than Bitcoin. And then whoever was doing other work, doing other things, being more creative, that kind of thing, end up taking the mantle. So I don't see how Litecoin uh, could even plausibly be a long-term good investment. And and again, I, I liked Litecoin. Litecoin was the cool other coin six or seven years ago. And now it's just kind of like, okay, well... You know, you decided to just be the the toady to the the big one, and that's just I don't know. It's very uninteresting. I think it's bad economics. I think it's bad planning. Yeah, it seems like the only the only thing that 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 keeps it as being unique is just I guess the community, because uh, there's quite a few Litecoin fanatics out there. But there are. But uh, that's that. Then that just becomes more of a like a Disney dollar sort of novelty project than yeah than actual global global money. I, I think it's you know, and I I don't want to spend this whole interview calling out people who are more famous and more popular than me, but <laughs> okay. but but I think a big part of it is Charlie. Like Ch- Charlie is very very smart. Uh, he's a good marketer. He's good at social media. He's good at steer, or steering opinion. And quite frankly, you know, Litecoin was a coin that had almost no transactions on the network until it ended up being a, a, a Coinbase coin. And it became a Coinbase coin while Charlie worked there. So presumably there was some handshake that happened somewhere that said, hey, pick my low cap coin to, to be on Coinbase. And then all of a sudden, it blasted from, I think, gosh, a couple of bucks up to maybe 30 bucks. And then people were like, oh, wow, Litecoin. And then the only real utility that it had was that when Bitcoin's blocks were full, people were using Litecoin to send between exchanges because 
it was just that much cheaper than Bitcoin to use. So I think that kind of, I think Litecoin's meteoric rise really had a lot to do with just like, man, this Charlie guy knows what he's talking about and and I'm going to follow him. And then I think it's a really bad sign that, that Charlie sold the top and has presumably, you know, stepped away from (laughs) being in that zone. Uh, To me, it's like watching Elon Musk sell all of his Tesla stock or or something like that. It's like, Ooh, like why did his confidence disappear? You know, regardless of where it was at, you know, I understand. I understand to a point, his reasoning where he's saying like, well, people just say that I'm only trying to like pump the price, but it's, it's almost like you're the head of the project. Of course you want it to be the most successful coin out there. So Right. It's one of those where you go, I don't necessarily want to ascribe malice to it because I don't think he's necessarily a malicious person either. But, um, mm-hmm. you, you know, it's, it's, it, that's a common thing any head of any project hears on Twitter on a daily basis of, you yeah. know, you're just shilling your own coin and you're just, you know, I mean, it's, I mean, he was nowhere near like what, Tron is, you know, other <laughs> right. than uh, I think light pay was probably the closest thing to that. That just kind of blew up. But um, yeah, uh, I, I don't know. It, it really kind of bothered me on one hand. I was like, well, if you're going to sell, sell the top, but also to have no like to sell the stock of the, of your own company and then say, well, mm-hmm. I have its best interest at heart. If you have no financial interest in it. Um, then right. it, it's, it's really kind of concerning, especially for an investor. Yeah. I mean, you, well, I mean, you're, you're removing your skin in the game, plain and simple. And, and again, like, like as a trader, sure. Like good on you, Charlie. Like you probably mined Litecoin for essentially free and you turned it into, you know, you, I mean, you sold it at 300, $400 a coin or whatever. And you know, that, I mean, that's, that's awesome as a as a trader or as a you know a long-term investor in his situation but but exactly you know like sell half (laughs) you know like if if i'm elon musk and my stock goes up fifty thousand percent sell half like that's that's just hey guys portfolio management you know and that's something everybody can be like yeah that's reasonable but to to completely sell and then, you know, whatever, <laughs> like, oh, by the way, here comes the, the worst bear market in, in ever. Uh, it's, it's, it, it leaves a, a bad taste in everybody's mouth. And, and people tell me I'm, I'm too hard on him for that. But it's I, I just think from a PR standpoint, that's just uh, just all bad karma, frankly. That and he, you know, like you said, he is a very good marketer. He's not. He's not like, you know, Vitalik, I think, is is very intelligent, but I don't mm-hmm. think he's what you would call someone who has a lot of emotional intelligence um, no. as far as for like, you know, marketing and understanding what, you know, the average person is looking for and and kind of wanting to see in a project. Right. Um, so I, I think that his his genius's intelligence is in a is heavily on one side versus the other. But I, I think mm-hmm. that Charlie, he definitely understands marketing and how he could not understand how the optics on that would, would play out is, is I don't really, it makes it harder for me to buy the reasoning. Yeah, no, I, I agree a hundred percent. And uh, I don't know if you wanted to get into a little bit of the recent uh, Bitcoin ABC SV debate sure. and where I'd be you, happy to. Yeah. yeah it's where do you fall on that? I mean, I know, but I mean, as far as for people listening, <laughs> uh, where do you fall on that? So, it, it's hard because I'm actually I'm I'm split between my my what's the right way to put it sort of my political uh, stance on it versus my moral stance on it and to me like I said earlier in the interview like I have read the white paper more than any rational person should have and it's not, it wasn't because I wanted to be better than anybody or whatever like. I thought it was amazing. I, I read it like literature. I, I read it the same way that I w- would read a fantastic piece of, of fiction, except it was real. And it was something that somebody created and put into motion. And for me, like that's what made me a Bitcoin casher. And quite frankly, it's, it's what put me in the SV 
camp. So I, I am unequivocally an SV supporter from a, a technical roadmap standpoint. And I think the problem with saying that is then people assume I'm, you know, pro Craig or that, that end chain has, has paid me under the table or, or something. But, um, I, I find Craig, uh, Craig Wright for anybody not knowing, uh, has claimed to be Satoshi Nakamoto and a, a whole bunch of other stuff. But, um, Craig is, he's, he's brilliant, but he's also really problematic from a marketing standpoint as well. Uh, unless you're into like super brain crazy guerrilla marketing, like maybe he's just there to make everybody upset. And that's some long game marketing thing. 4D but, chess. You know, I, <laughs> yes. 3D chess. And, and the thing is, is I want to remove Craig, the person from the equation, because I, I don't think that that matters. Um, it, I mean, it does in some regards, but I, I, it doesn't matter when it comes to the implementation, the implementation of, of Bitcoin SV is just, it's Bitcoin. And to me, that's, that's the, the only thing that matters about it. And I believe that, well, first of all, we've never actually let Bitcoin out to fly. Like we've, we've never just said, you know what? Maybe it was designed right and we should let it be what it is and scale it up the way that it, it should be scaled up in regards to, to the white paper. Like make space for more transactions, add hashing power and let it rock and roll. And, you know, I, I can't believe that more people are not interested in just saying like, yeah, let's see how well that works. Because maybe it doesn't work. Just like, you know, maybe Dash's governance model doesn't work but they're trying it and we've never tried Bitcoin as peer to peer cash for the whole world. And so SV is doing that. And, and ABC, um, I, I respect the people there. I actually, I really like a lot of the people in that camp. Um, but what they want to do from a roadmap perspective is not, not allowing Bitcoin to be Bitcoin again. And and that's a, that's a deal breaker for me. And e even if they're right, even if they're, they're technical, um, like even if Bitcoin can't work, if Bitcoin is somehow insufficient at scale, they might be right. But the, the fact is, is that we don't actually have that evidence in real life. And Bitcoin is so important that it deserves to be tested. So on ABC's roadmap, they want to do, uh, pre-consensus, which completely, again, changes the the miner's relationship to the users and the nodes. So right there, I'm, I'm out. Like, that's why I was out on BTC. Um, but then they, they've got CTOR, which is a, a way that blocks are propagated. And again, it sounds like a good idea. I, I like it, you know, whatever. I like it. It sounds fine. But again, it is not Bitcoin. If, uh, if we're willing to try anything, why not have faster block time or, or just change the, the, the algorithm to a proof of stake model or whatever, like, you know, th those things matter. So altcoins are great. Like I said, I like Digibyte. I like Dash. Litecoin is, is trying what they're trying, but man, nobody is willing to just let Bitcoin be Bitcoin except for the people in the SV camp. So Bitcoin SV, um, despite their, their PR issues and how unpleasant everybody perceives Craig to be. Uh, Craig believes in Bitcoin and I want to see Bitcoin tried at scale the way Satoshi Nakamoto said that it should work, which is 10 minute block times and SHA-256 and every transaction is hashed and put in a block, you know, the, the difficulty adjustment and every, everything else the way it is like, let it be. And if it fails, good. Then we absolutely know Bitcoin doesn't work. And then we can do something else. But that, so long story short, that's that's why I'm an SV supporter. I, I believe it deserves to be tried. I, I, I do think uh, and I, I talked to Vin about, you know, this this whole thing before it before it kind of came to be. Mm -hmm. And what, what his uh, belief was that Calvin's a lot more of the the brains behind the operation. Um, mm -hmm. um, as far as the, I, I should say, tr strategic vice technical. And, uh, and sure. I, I think that, um, if, if that's more of the case, and I think that if, if Calvin, Calvin's thesis is, and it seems like that's what he staked it on is, is, you know, Bitcoin at version, you know, uh, 0 0.1, uh, 
um, mm -hmm. that I think, you know, it's the same thing that I felt about with Bitcoin and Bitcoin cash back last year was, you know, it's split test. Let's see where, let's see where it goes. Let's see which one works better. And, and the market's going to ultimately yeah. decide regardless of what we all feel should be, should be mm -hmm. best. Now we can try to move the market to, to, uh, to a certain um, end goal. But um, I'm always that's what really excites me about this space is that, you know, people can split off and do their own thing and just see what works. And, you know, we'll we'll find out. And like you said, you know, we've got this is a long term game, although I know that uh, you're probably like me where you'd kind of like to see this play out a lot sooner um, within our lifetime. But yeah. it's it's very exciting to see all this, you know, new kind of just explosion and growth in, you know, where people are envisioning a lot of the implementations I think are bad. I don't think blockchain is as useful as everyone thinks it is for every single thing on earth, you know, mm -hmm. blockchain or tokenize the, all the things, but um, it is very interesting to watch this whole play out. It, it, uh, it really does. And I've said this before is that I really do feel like what those, you know, those, those people watching the internet first come online you know, back in the 80s and, and early 90s, you know, watching this thing kind of become mm -hmm. a thing um, before it was a thing. And and um, I know I have, I have a lot of hope for, for the future. Actually, we probably won't leave this on a positive note. So what are your thoughts on the future of this space and where we're going? I think, I'm, first of all, it's, it's the most fertile ground for entrepreneurship in our generation. And the really, really exciting thing is that nobody, not nobody, nobody, but almost nobody, statistically nobody is even trying yet. There, there are all of these tools and they have yet to hit a, a business person who has the vision and the grind to turn it into something life-changing yet. And so the, I think the best is yet to come and for me, I, I think it's going to be partially, I, I think it's going to be in, in merchant, like brick and mortar point of sale, which is almost non-existent, especially in the West. Uh, but then like the, how this tokenization can be extrapolated out to actually being legal, valid securities. Uh, I mean, that can, that can change everything. It, it changes our relationship to stock market and commodities market housing market in, you know, investing in all kinds of personal stuff. Uh, and then again, forcing the government to be a paper tiger by saying, Hey, like you need to use Bitcoin or whatever cryptocurrency to be, uh, you know, to pay your bills because that's, that's who the vendors are, are accepting or that's what the vendors are accepting out in the mainstream economy. So government, you need to use cryptocurrency and tell you what, you need to use an address that can be audited and we're going to see where the money comes and goes. And all of a sudden the, the federal government and the governments of the world lose that autonomy to print money out of thin air and to do what they want with it, to essentially use it to enslave us. And, you know, and none of that's happened yet. That's all in our future and, and we get to be the ones to shape it. So that's that's what I'm super super excited about, um, and yeah, I, I just I, I have a lot of uh, I have a lot of hope. I have a lot of uh, excitement to see the world that I'll be introducing my my someday children to, and and hopefully uh, get to enjoy a little bit of. Hopefully, it's not uh, you know thirty forty years down the road, and I'm in my retirement and just seeing some of the fruit here, but. Um, but yeah, that's that's where my head's at. Well, I think that's a great way to end the episode. And I'd really like to thank you, Kurt, for coming on, taking time out of your day to join us. And you know, I really sure. enjoyed the conversation. And if people want to get a hold of you, where can they contact you? Uh, the best place is CryptoTradersPro.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at uh, Kurt Wookert JR. I'm also at Kurt Wookert JR, like literally everywhere. You can find me on Telegram and Twitter. Instagram and, and everywhere else, but cryptotraderspro.com is the, the business resource and it's where you can go to learn how to invest and trade well. Uh, it's an educational resource. It's not a, a financial uh, tool so much as it's, a, it's an educational resource. So you should treat it like a, like a college course for somebody that wants to get into crypto and not get fleeced. So we're not actually selling you anything except for uh, knowledge on how to navigate. 
and uh, that's that's the best place to find. And it. you also have your own podcast with with Matt as well. Where, where can uh, people find that? I do uh, the Crypto Traders podcast. So just just search Crypto Traders podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, the Amazon, Google. <laughs> so Crypto Traders podcast will, will bring you up uh, the right information anywhere where where podcasts are consumed. All right. And I will have uh, links to everything that we mentioned in the show notes. And once again, Kurt, thanks very much. Thank you so much, Dustin. I really appreciate you having me on too.